0: Hey, Joe, man. How
1: you doing, bud? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Or as Bosco would say, how you doing? <laughs>
0: hey, listen. Let me have a meal, regular. Uh, martini glass, straight up. Stirred, not shaking. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it, huh? All right. What have you been up to? Uh, same old, same old. Get up every day, go to the gym, go to work. Deal with the idiots on Facebook. I'm telling you, the, your Facebook idea. Brilliant. I mean, it, I got to give you credit.
1: Well, I got to think Al Gore. First well,
0: and foremost. Well, yes. Yeah.
1: Creating the internet.
0: No Al Gore, no internet.
1: That's right. But you know what it, it what's funny is that it used to be just the Hollywood elite
0: that had those platforms. I remember those days. I mean, every time you turn on the news, there was some Hollywood star who thought you really cared about what they were. And their they're the only ones that could,
1: but now everybody can. Yeah,
0: Facebook. I mean, every Christian in the world, they feel like they got an opinion, something somebody's interested in. They took the dog for a walk, they had indigestion today. I gotta be honest,
1: I mean, I've been working for that for years. Finally technology is catching up with the old S guy. Well, you know? Unfortunately um, it gets ugly sometimes. And the best, of course, are your people, the Christians, who truly don't believe that it's
0: gossip. Mm, slander. Slander. slander, judging, yeah. Well, they call it discernment. Man, if I had a dollar for every time, someone's told me they had the gift of discernment. But I'm telling you, I'd be a rich man. So Daddy anyway. Warbucks over here. Yeah, one of your best ideas ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: That's not my best idea. That's not my best work. What are you thinking? Do you have any idea? How many Christians at your church don't like other people
0: that go to your church? I say I get the Facebook thing, I agree, I'm not going to argue with you there, but that's where you're wrong. Everybody loves everybody. I'm telling you, a community church like Hope, Mm. let me tell you, we've had one no vote in 20 years. That's how unified we are as a group of people. It's incredible. I was there for the
1: no vote. Yes. Um, You are blind. You got blacks that don't like whites, whites that don't like blacks, Asians that don't like the Hispanics, Hispanics don't like Germans, nobody likes the Italians. Sorry Bosco. Um, But that's just the race stuff. That's been going since the Jews and the Gentiles. Yeah, I read about that. But in your church, it goes deeper than that. No, I don't think so. Married women don't trust single women. Especially if they've been divorced. I've heard that, right? to be honest with you. Older men don't trust younger men. If you're unemployed, you must be lazy. No. Uh, blue-collar workers hate the white-collar workers. White-collar workers think the blue-collar workers should have gone to college. Elderly people don't understand technology hey! at all. Sorry. Um, but you know what? I even got you in this, Mike. I, I think this is where maybe we draw the line. Because if you ask anybody at Hope, they'll say, you know what? Mike loves everybody, right? Two words. Fuquay, Vereen. By the way, I heard your son just recently bought a house in Fuquey.. Yeah. And you know, we even got some people think Jews aren't generous.
0: Hey, Jesus, how are you?! Ah, d- 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 David! He's such a drama queen. Bring Jesus a glass of water. That never gets old. Oh, oh me! <laughs> the guy that plays Satan is actually one of our uh, Kid City staff, Brian Stafford And it's so funny, you don't have to give him much to work with and he has a good time In fact, someone suggested this morning he'd be on my podcast with Bob Dumas every week And get Satan's perspective on things, we may have to think about that <laughs> Hey, this is what I want you to do before I get started this weekend I want, to, I want you to check out the people around you Just look around front of you, beside you, behind you Just, just check out the people sitting around you this weekend, alright? If you're single, don't check them out too long. That'll get creepy. But just check them out, okay? Now here's my question. Aren't you glad the people around you this weekend don't know how you really feel about them? And aren't you glad you don't know how they really feel about you? And I know some of you, that's a shock. Everybody loves me. See, some of us, we're so arrogant. We think we don't like other people, but everybody loves us because we're so cool and we're so hip. The fact is this. Even though we're in church, there is something in all of us that automatically categorizes people, and then we label people, and then we draw conclusions about people, and we either decide we're gonna like them or we're not gonna like them. Just on eye contact, maybe just in one passing conversation. And it gets even worse. In the church, we have a tendency to avoid people who aren't like us, who don't fit into our little box, and we gravitate toward people who are like us, and we're like, I know it shouldn't be that way. I mean, this is the church, but let's be honest. It's like, it's like our dirty little secret. It's just the way life is. And what's interesting is uh, this isn't new. I mean, this is something that the church has been struggling with for over 2,000 years since its inception. And so James addresses this problem for churches in James chapter 2, and he addressed it head on, so we're going to address it head on. So if you have your Bible this morning, James chapter 2, let's jump right in. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. We'll put the verses up on the screen. James begins by saying this, James chapter 2, verse 1, my brothers and sisters, and right away we know that he's writing to Christians, and I'll tell you right now, he's setting us up, okay? My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's setting us up. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. What's favoritism? It's choosing to prefer certain people over other people based on things like preference or, or prejudice, or maybe it's, it's based on the fact we think we can somehow benefit, get something out of a person. So we wanna be in their circle of friends. We wanna be in the group with them. But regardless of the reason, Favoritism is when we choose to gravitate towards certain groups of people and we choose to avoid certain groups of people. And so as James is writing this church, he says, stop that. Don't do that. Don't show favoritism. Because as Christians, James says, think about this. As Christians, you have been totally accepted by God. In spite of your sin, in spite of your dysfunction, In spite of all your broken promises, so who are you now to turn around and reject other people based on dumb things that you would never want God to reject you over? For example, what if God only accepted people with a certain IQ? Or what if God only accepted people with a certain amount of money? Or what if God didn't accept people who had too much money? Or what if God only accepted Jews? He could have done that, you know. In fact, for a while, it kind of looked like that's what he was going to do. James says, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but maybe without even realizing it, you people in the church, you have established categories that God doesn't even recognize. And as a result, you have a higher standard for who you will and will not accept than God does. And we hear it that way and say, wow, could be true, but I've never really thought about it that way. But that's what James wants to talk about. He gives us an illustration beginning in verse 2. He says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring, which was a sign of wealth back then, and and fine clothes, which is kind of a sign of wealth today, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. And now James tells us what he means by favoritism. If you show attention, that would be favoritism. If you show attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or you sit on the floor by my feet, James says, that would be favoritism. Let me just kind of set the scene of what's going on here. In the first century, churches aren't like they are now. They were relatively small. Many churches met in homes. And so when someone showed up in your church, maybe 15, 20, 30 people, you certainly noticed them, you recognized them. And so in this hypothetical situation in James chapter two, James says, hey, you show up for church one week and a guy drives up, a seven-series camel, right? And he, and he gets off, and word begins to go throughout the house. Rich dude's here today, right? Rich dude's here. And he gets special treatment. And then a poor guy shows up, and you're like, oh, listen, could you just stay out of our way? If you'd stay back in the corner, that would be great, right? That's the situation that's going on in James chapter 2. And let's not be too hard on this church because, let's just be honest, we all do this to some capacity, I mean, I'm not really proud of it, but somebody will show up at church and kind of word gets out that they got a lot of money. You know what I think? I could use this guy. I mean, we got a 2020 vision coming up. By the year 2020, we want to expand from three campuses to six campuses so that we can more effectively reach the triangle and be involved in changing the world. But for us to do that, I mean, it's going it's to cost millions of dollars. And so I see a guy like that, and th- or a family like that, I think, I got to get them on board. Now, let me un- understand something. The problem isn't that we do that. We all do that, I mean, it's just life. The problem is when a poor person shows up at the same time and we have to make a choice, and we choose the rich guy, and he gets the VIP treatment, but we pretty much ignore the poor guy. James says, that's showing favoritism, and he says, when you've done that, you have placed a value on people based on something that God doesn't even recognize. And so when you get to verse 4, James comes down on us pretty hard. He says this, Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Maybe your translation says evil motives. It's probably a better word there. And I think what James is saying to this church is this. I think the implication is this. James is saying, listen, guys, God, God has gone to great lengths to forgive you and make you one. By sending his son for you. But instead of you celebrating your oneness, instead of you celebrating your unity, you've divided yourselves up into a bunch of little categories. You've divided yourselves up into a bunch of little cliques. You got the rich, you got the poor, you got the slaves, you got the free, you got the male, you got the female, you got the Jews, you got the Gentiles. In other words, you've become one in God's sight, but now as a church, James says, you're making distinctions among yourselves. You're trying to undo what God has gone to great lengths. To do. In fact, James goes on to say in verse four, you've even become judges. Now we don't like that. And so immediately we're like, well, I don't judge. No way. I'm not a judge. You know what it means to judge? It means that you draw a conclusion about someone. You look at them based on very little information. You categorize them. You label them. You draw a conclusion. I like them. They're in my life or I don't like them. They're not going to be involved in my life. Now this is what's interesting. If you've been a Christian for a while, you don't call it judging. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've been around church long enough to, to call it discernment. See, nothing's I've got the gift of discernment. Trust me, it's judging. You look at the evidence, as shallow as it is, and you draw a conclusion, and you, you conclude, I don't like him, he's guilty of too much money. Don't like that group, he's guilty of too little money. Don't like them, guilty of being a Democrat. Don't like them, guilty of being Republican. Guilty, 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 guilty. James says you draw conclusions about each other with practically no information whatsoever. And to make matters worse, the standard that you're using to judge each other, it's a standard that God doesn't even recognize. So consequently, you have a higher standard than God does. I mean, how screwed up is that? And so James says, listen, if you want to have a living, active, dynamic faith, you have got to knock that off. You cannot continue to act that way. You cannot continue to think that way. You've got to begin to think about who you are as the body of Christ. And you've got to stop dividing and segmenting yourselves based on a judgment call that God doesn't even think is important. And then when you get to verse five, James says, let me tell you what God really values. Let me tell you what God thinks is really important, and I'm going to tell you. Getting ready for this message was incredibly convicting to me, because I thought there's some things in my life, there there's some things in my leadership style that I have got to change. I mean, <laughs> I'm a professional Christian, right? I, I should know this stuff, right? But in these next few verses we get a pretty clear picture of what's important to God, what God really values. In other words, there's a certain kind of person that if Jesus were here this weekend and this type of person were to show up, this type of person were to walk in, there's a certain kind of person that Jesus would escort down to the front. There's a, there's a certain kind of person that Jesus would extend a special treatment to. And it's not the kind of person that we would normally treat specially because the reality is we generally value the wrong kinds of things and people. Look what it says in verse five. James says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who loved him? Now that's not just saying that rich people can't get in the kingdom and only poor people can be in the kingdom. This is what James is saying to these Christians. He says, Hey, you're valuing the wrong thing. You've honored the rich man. You've dishonored the poor man. James says, but let me tell you what God thinks. God is more impressed with the faith of the poor man than he is with the faith of the rich man. Why is that? It's because we all know it's harder to maintain faith in a good God when life isn't good. I mean, isn't that true? Some of you sitting here right now, you know this, not because you're poor, but maybe maybe it's because you're sick. Or maybe it is because your financial circumstances have gone south. Or, Or maybe it's because your spouse left you. Or you have a child that's gone prodigal. I mean, let's be honest. It is hard to maintain faith in a good God when it doesn't really seem like God is good. So James says, listen, from God's perspective, he sees poor people as rich. And what really matters to him. He sees them rich in faith because it takes more faith to be poor and trust God than it, to, than it does to be, to be rich and continue to trust God. So James, he's writing to this church and he says, you got it all wrong. You're honoring the wrong people. You're honoring the wrong things. And then he gives them a little jab in verse 6. He says, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? You see, it wasn't much different in the first century. In the first century, now than it was in the first century, in the first century, rich people had all the leverage. If you were poor, you you basically had no recourse in the legal system. You were at the total mercy of the rich. So James says, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're honoring the people who as a category, they're the ones who are making your life miserable. You're honoring the people who are causing you the most grief. Now, let me just say this. Um, Cultures are different, times are different. Um, It's not so much the rich, poor thing that gets us today. It's other things. And so I made a list. I made a list of the things that get us today. And I'm gonna just share my list with you and it's going to make you squirm. And I want you to know this isn't my list. This is your list, okay? I'm nowhere near brave or secure enough to give you my list, so this is your list. Some of you sitting here this weekend, you do resent rich people. You pull into a church like Hope, you see the cars in the parking lot, and you're like, man, I'm not going to go to this church. Rich people go to this church. Some of you don't like poor people. If somebody's poor, you think they're lazy. You're thinking they're not taking advantage of the great American system. They just don't work hard. Some of you don't like fat people. Some of you don't like skinny people. Some of you older single girls, you don't like younger single girls. You don't, you know it. You're like, hey, I've been here longer, I've marked my territory. You know They need to go somewhere else, find their own territory, go to another church, you know what I'm saying? You don't like them. Some of you younger single guys, you don't like older single guys. You're like, man, they've had their chance, they need to step aside. Some of you don't like black people. Now you would never admit it, but you don't. Some of you don't like white people. Some of you have a World War II mentality. You don't like Asians. You don't even know where they're from, but you don't like them. Some of you don't like Hispanics. You don't know where they're from either, but if you see somebody with brown skin, you just assume they're here illegally. Some of you live in the Civil War era. Some of you live in the South now. You don't like Northerners. You think they're arrogant and obnoxious. Some of you are here from the North. You don't like Southerners. You think we're just dumb, uneducated, and stupid. Some of you don't like Democrats. You think they have no moral values. You just put them all in one category. Some of you don't like Republicans. You think they have no compassion whatsoever. Hey, let me let you in on a little secret. If your car is in the parking lot today and you got an Obama sticker on it, there are people here who do not like you. If your car is in the parking lot today and it's got an anti-Obama sticker on it, there are people here who do not like you. All you got to do is read Facebook. Some of you older people, you don't like younger people in leadership. You think they're rash and immature. Some of you young people, you think that all the old people are out of touch and kind of dumb as dirt. Some of you have an attitude against divorced people. Some of you have an attitude against single moms. You wonder, I wonder what she did, you know. Some of you don't like people who have bad taste. You'll look at someone, just the way they dress, what they wear, what they drive, and you're like, yeah, I just don't think I could ever connect with them. By the way, can you imagine what God must be thinking? Ooh, they have bad taste. Maybe I should have a bad taste category, you know? Can you imagine if God had a bad taste We'd all be in it, right? I mean, he's living in heaven. Gold streets, pearly gates, angels singing. We're on this earth that's just dying, right? Uh, Forget global warming, we're gonna freeze to death, people. I mean, who are we kidding, right? (laughs) From God's perspective, we all have bad taste. Some of you don't like stay-at-home moms. You know what you do? You get together with your little clique of ladies and you say, of course she stays at home. What else can she do? Some of you don't like stay-at-home dads. You meet a dad and he says, I stay at home, you think he's hem and whipped. Some of you don't like working moms. You're like, if she really loved her kids, she'd be home with her kids. Some of you don't respect parents who send their kids to public school. Some of you don't respect parents who send their kids to private school. Some of you don't respect parents who homeschool. Some of you don't like artsy people. You, 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 you see an artsy guy and you automatically, gay, you know? That's, just, that's how you do. You never even met him. You, you just assume it, right? Some of you don't like people with tattoos. I'm getting over that. Some of you don't like families who have lots of kids. You think they're irresponsible. Some of you don't like people who only have one or two kids. You think they're selfish and that they've limited God. And I could go on and on and on. But you will not come to this church very long until you bump into someone who represents a category of people that you don't like. And as God sits back and observes our reaction, he must be thinking, <laughs> Now let me get this straight. You were dying and going to hell. You were sinning. You were doing all kind of bad stuff. I bailed you out by sending my only forgotten son to die on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. I even promised you eternal life with me. Even after I did all of that, even after I accepted you, even after I saved you, you continue to disobey me. You continue to sin. You still get in all kinds of trouble. You lose your temper. You still lust. You refuse to forgive people who've hurt you, yet I continue to forgive you. And then you show up at church and you make distinctions over fashion, skin color, political preference, school choices? Are you kidding me? And I think God is like, what if I treated you that way? What if I accepted you or rejected you based on your income, or based on your IQ, or your skill level, or your skin color, or your fashion sense? And we would be like, oh, God, I am so sorry. I mean, I didn't come across that way. And we would fall on our knees. We'd be saying, God, we are so sorry, 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 sorry. You know? And I think that's James' point. I think James wants us to understand we need to be convicted about this because we are the body, body of Christ. And God has gone through incredible lengths to make us one. But I'm telling you something. It's in you and it's in me to split us up. And sometimes it leaks out in what we say, and sometimes it leaks out in what we do. Now, thankfully, James gives us the solution for this problem in verse 8. He says this, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. In other words, when you run into that person or that category of people that you don't like, that you tend to judge, that you tend to avoid, and there's that part of you that automatically begins to make that judgment call. There's one of them. There they are. James says, instead of seeing color, instead of seeing age or fashion or financial status or single or married or divorced, just, just see yourself. And then love that person the way that you want to be loved. And you know what James says? He says, hey, if you'll do that, you'll you'll fix this problem in the church. By the way, do you know where this came from? Originally, it came from the book of Leviticus. It It was part of the law. But one day, Jesus was on this earth, and the religious leaders, they approached him, and they loved to do this. They loved to try to corner Jesus and get him in a situation that he couldn't get out of. And so they asked him one day, hey, Jesus, could you sum up the Old Testament? How would you like that as a challenge? How would you like me to bring you up here this morning, stick a microphone in your face, and say, could you sum up, the Old Testament, you would get into fetal position and suck your thumb, right? I mean, it would just be a miserable situation. Jesus doesn't even bat an eye. He says, sure, I can do that. This is his response. First of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. And then while you're at it, love your neighbors yourself. And it was as if Jesus was saying, if you forget everything else, make sure that you remember those two commandments. Now, this is what's interesting. Most of us sitting here this weekend, we would say, I agree, I believe that. I believe we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I believe we should love our neighbors as ourselves. But one thing we're learning in this series on James, apply as directed, it's one thing to say that, it's another thing to actually be able to live that way. James would say this when you begin to live out what you say you believe, you see, one of the marks of maturity here at Hope that we measure things by, you begin to live what you learn. As you hear God's word, you begin to apply it, live it out in your life. James says, when you begin to live out what you say you believe, he says, it will eliminate this problem in your life of showing favoritism. And then just in case we still haven't gotten it, he says this in verse 8 and 9. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin." Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm 57 years old. I've been a Christian for 52 years. I've been pastoring for 33 years. I have never, ever in my life confessed this as a sin. I cannot remember a time when I prayed, God, please forgive me for having a bad attitude toward blank category of people. But I think James wants us to understand that this isn't just, hey, guys, we really shouldn't feel that way. Or, hey, guys, we we just got to do better in this area. I think James, he's he's like, listen, understand. Understand this for what it is. This is a sin. Verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. In other words, James says, remember what Jesus said. I just boiled it down to two commandments. And James says, when you show favoritism, when you judge other people, you are breaking the number two commandment. That makes you a lawbreaker. And I think God in heaven must be thinking, I only gave you two laws to focus on. You, you, you would think that you could keep just two. Forget ten, could you, could you, just, could you just do two, you know? But we walk in here on the weekends, and the music cranks up, and we see the words, and we lift our hands. Oh, God, we love you. You are the cornerstone. We would live for you. Who is she? Who dressed her? And doesn't she have a mirror? You know, right in the middle of a song. I mean, just that quick. It's like we can do one. We can love God, but, you know, the love in other parts, we, you know, we just can't get our arms around. James says, listen, when you do that, when you judge people, He says, you are a lawbreaker. Look at verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. James says you break one area of the law, you've broken all the law. You are just as guilty. James' implication is if you show partiality, If you show favoritism, if you just judge other people, you have become a lawbreaker right up there with murderers, right up there with adulterers. It makes no difference to God. It's the same to God. Now, here's the good news. I don't really have any examples of this in our church. I haven't heard a story of, you know, greeters opening the door for rich people and shutting the door in the face of poor people. I haven't heard a story that our guys who work in the parking lot get on the, uh, you know, get on the walkie-talkie and say, "Hey, here comes a Rolls Royce. Give them a good spot up front. Oh, here's a Prius. I'm sending them up the crossroads." I, 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 I haven't heard any stories like that. Right? Sorry if you own a Prius. I haven't seen it here, but I think it's in our hearts. I know it's in my heart. And I hate it. But I have never thought of it as a sin. I just thought of it, hey, that's the way I am. Well, that's just the way I grew up. But James says, for the sake of the health of the church, let's call it what it is. It is sin, and let's deal with it. And he says, when you see those people that you tend to reject and your emotion starts to rise up inside of you, Instead of choosing to avoid them or to just be apathetic toward them, he said, just love them as if they were you. He says, if you'll do that over time, that'll solve this problem. And as if he hasn't said enough, he continues in verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, quit judging and remember that you're going to be judged. Quit judging and remember that one day you're going to give an account of your life. Remember one day you're going to stand before God with all the people who are rich in faith. And if, if you haven't learned by that point to value what God values, you're just going to look like an idiot. Because you're going to be standing there with all these people you spent your whole life riding off and avoiding. But they may be the people who are rich in faith. And they're probably going to be sitting up there in the VIP section and you've been judging them your whole life. You're going to be standing in the back. James says you're going to feel like the biggest loser in the world. So make sure as a Christian you live your life as one who is going to be judged, not as the one who's doing the judging. And he tells us why in verse 13. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's say that together. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's say it again. Mercy triumphs over judgment. One more time for good measure. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, when you run into other Christians and you start to judge them, it could be you're in the parking lot and you see what kind of car they get out of. Or you're standing, you're standing in your line at Kid City to get your kids registered and you see somebody like, I cannot believe she wore that to church. Or you're in the coffee shop saying, well, I didn't think they have any money. How do they afford to buy a $2 cup of coffee, you know? Or they have the audacity to sit on the road with you. James says, whenever you start to judge, you better stop in your tracks and you'd better show mercy instead. Because when you stand before God, you're gonna say, give me mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. I am a mercy guy, God. I believe in mercy. We're gonna want mercy. I mean, that's how we're gonna feel when we stand before God. So James says, in this life, what do you say we allow mercy to triumph over judgment? In other words, show mercy toward the people that you tend to judge. Show love toward the people that you tend to judge. Show acceptance toward the people that you tend to judge. Honor those people that you tend not to honor. Because that's what your heavenly father did when he extended grace and salvation to you. While you were still sinners. Jesus died for the ungodly slash, unacceptable slash, those who deserve judgment. Do you know why? <laughs> Thankfully, it's because God allows mercy to triumph over judgment. Now, let me just ask you a question. As you said here this weekend, who is it you don't like? I mean, what category is that for you? You don't even know their story. You've never talked to them. You just see them, size them up, label them, and write them off. What's the category? Would you like to take a giant step forward in your faith this weekend? Would you be willing to call it what God calls it? Would you be willing to say, it's a sin, God, and I have sinned? And then would you be willing to ask God to forgive you for being so judgmental? You know why the world perceives the church as being so judgmental? It's because we're so judgmental. Wouldn't it be great if we just embraced the law that Jesus said is the second most important commandment? Wouldn't it be great if as a church we started to love people the way we want to be loved and we started to honor people the way we want to be honored and we started to accept people the way we want to be accepted. Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't it be great if instead of seeing red and yellow, black and white, instead of seeing rich and poor and tall and thin and masculine and effeminate and Democrat and Republican and Dockers and Polo, whatever it is, whatever it is you see, we're gonna see ourselves and other people and we're gonna love our neighbors the way we want to be loved. And when we don't, we're going to confess it as sin. That would be pretty revolutionary, wouldn't it? See, James says, when you do that as a church, finally, finally, we'll be the church that Jesus designed the church to be. But we got some work to do. We got some work to do. Let's pray. God, we're so glad you're not us. Because if you treated us the way we treated other people, there would be no hope for us whatsoever. The times we disappoint you, even as your children, (laughs) the times we sin, the times we lose focus and lose faith, the time we deliberately disobey and you continue to love and forgive us, And then we have the audacity to turn around and become judges of people and establish a standard that you don't even hold us to. Help us to see it, as you see it, as sin, and that we have the courage to ask forgiveness and begin to work through this in our lives. Father, I'm reminded of what your son said In the Gospel of John, they will know you are Christians not by your discernment, but by your love. Teach us how to love that way. If we can't get but two of the commandments right, help us to get those two right. To love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And to love our neighbors, those sitting around us right now this weekend as we love ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen.